The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Okay, Refuge Church. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good. I said it three times. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, um, I, you know, I think soon we're going to start doing like bring your own chair. Just to make sure uh, everybody has one. Uh, Rue is feeling left out. If you'd like to come and share some space with her up here. Well, good morning. So good to to be here. I'm preaching back to back. My family has a little family reunion next week. So so Jake switched with me. And uh, it wasn't just because... I really wanted to preach about Peter walking for a moment on water, which is what we're in today, but it's a pretty, pretty fun story as we see <clears throat> the excitement, the highs of Peter's life and the lows of Peter's life. So we're going to start with the prayer of confession this morning, and I wanted to offer one just for the church as a whole and then allow you, like we do every week, to offer your own before we get into the Word of God, and going with the, the theme of, of the passage today, I, the prayer of confession I'm going to offer for all of us, and, and if it really relates to you, I want to invite you into, is that of confessing our little faith, uh, how much God has done in our life, how much he's invited us into, and yet still how little we, we really trust him, how little we look at him and how much we look at the world, and that, that is the story of today. So uh, pray with me, and then I'll give you a little bit of time to offer your own prayer of confession. Guys, we quiet our hearts and, and say again, speak to us, Lord. We confess that we spend far more time looking away from you than to you. Our attention is so diverted and we get surprised over and over again when we find ourselves again with little faith. When something happens and we don't immediately know how to pray about it, we don't know how to trust your provision because we haven't been looking to you. Every time we open your word and quiet our hearts to pray, you're inviting us to see you, to trust you, and I pray we'll do that this morning. Go ahead and take some time to offer your own prayers of confession. God, thank you for receiving these prayers, for your grace, your forgiveness that's always available to those that come to you and ask for it. Amen. Here's our intro to our sermon series on Peter, Flawed, and Faithful. 
Peter loves Jesus, but keeps making big life mistakes. Does that story sound familiar? Peter is one of the most prominent characters in the New Testament. He is one of the first people to follow Jesus and one of the first to understand Jesus' true identity as the Son of God. He is also deeply flawed. Peter hurts Jesus more often than he helps, but Jesus never stops loving and leading him. In this sermon series, you will learn how a strong and beautiful faith can come from a deeply flawed individual who faithfully follows Jesus. Peter's story is so familiar to us, and the question I kept asking myself coming into the story we're going to tell today is, what do you or, or what do I believe I'm going through alone? What do you believe at this present moment you're going through all by yourself? It could be unexpected news at work. It could be something even in the most intimate relationship in your life. It could be unplanned diagnosis. It could be internal dialogue that you have. <laughs> what do you feel that you are carrying all by yourself? That nobody around you really can relate and you just have to carry, you just have to bear that burden. Maybe not even God really seems like he's being helpful. What do you feel like you are going through all by yourself? And the answer we get in today's story is that God, whether you believe it or not, has never taken his eyes off you. Those of you who come to him, follow him, have committed yourself to be his disciples, God has never taken his eyes off of you. Now, up to this point in the story, what we know about Peter so far is that he is a spiritually hungry person. We saw him travel about 60 miles down to listen to John the Baptist, and when John the Baptist introduced Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, Peter's brother followed Jesus, and then invited Peter to come and meet Jesus. Peter's given significant amount of time and resources already on his hunt to find an answer to the questions of his soul. And he has found that in Jesus, and Jesus has invited him into that journey by saying, not once but twice, I invite you to be a fisher of men. Now, Peter's not the only one. When we get to the story we're in today, Matthew 14, 12 people have been collected, 12 disciples, and this is a very mismatched group of people. These aren't people, like if, if you're familiar with Sesame Street and you get the which one's not like the other, it's basically all of those not like the others brought together, and, and you get this group of disciples, people who haven't necessarily <laughs> asked for what they're getting into and haven't trained for what they're getting into. Typically, disciples are people who have kind of been raised up um, you know, raised by their families and their community, trained literally in schools from childhood up. And the, this isn't that group. Jesus chose people that no one else would really want to be their disciple because the point of disciple is to follow the master and what the master has done and what the master has said, they will learn that and they will go and do that. And, and you don't choose fishermen, tax collectors, and rebels people that are against the government, to do that. This just isn't a group people are going to be like, yeah, we want to follow also. And yet Jesus has chosen, hand-picked, literally, this group to follow him. And this is the group that we find 
in the boat in Matthew 14. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, or I believe it's probably going to be on the screen. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22 and moving to verse 33. Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, began, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed back in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. So the simple context we have for this story is that Jesus puts the disciples in a situation where they feel like they are out of his line of sight, right? I think we we read that incorrectly that Jesus kind of needs some time alone. The disciples are probably a lot. Crowds are a lot, and he just wants to go and be alone and be restored with his heavenly Father. So he goes to the mountainside and pray. But he also puts the disciples in an interesting position when they are by themselves. They're probably telling jokes. They're like, "Man, finally we just get to hang out with God," you know. And and you know, <laughs> their leader Jesus is, is up on the mountainside, but they are out of his line of sight, and he has placed them in a position where most of them, because most of them are fishermen, feel incredibly comfortable. So this is the first movement of the story, is a familiar place, a boat. The fishing boat is a place of safety, security, and comfort. For many of the guys in the boat, it is second nature to them. They get in, and this is home. The oars feel like they fit in their hands. And so they get pushed out onto the water, and what we're led to believe is this is probably a serene scene when they get in, and they think it's going to be a typical travel across the Lake of Galilee. They're safe, they're secure, they're comfortable. And my question for you is, what is your boat? Before we get any further in the story, what's your boat? What is the place you feel safe, secure, and comfortable? It could be a room in your home, it could be a uh, maybe a, a comfortable couch in your home. It could be a place in a park that you go and you just feel safe. That is where the disciples are. The world is at peace in this familiar place. Many of us find ourselves, maybe even now, in a boat. We are safe and secure. The second movement of this story shakes that boat. It is a fearful place, a place where there are two things that terrify the disciples. Then the first is the storm, and the second is superstition. 
And Jesus is going to confront both these, both the natural realm, the storm, and the supernatural realm, where they have beliefs that have built themselves up and terrify them in the dark of the night. Now, the the storm terrifies these fishermen because probably all of them have been in a storm before, but probably more importantly, have stories of friends that have died in storms. If you, and I did this this morning, actually, if you type in the Google search, because that's just what we use, no one uses Hotmail anymore. You You type in your Google search and you say, what is the most dangerous job in the U.S.? First thing that comes up is OSHA, right? Your Occupational Safety and Health. And number one job, yeah, uh, Zach's back there. I know all you worked at Shipyard just love OSHA. Um, But if you you pull that up, number one, fishermen. That is the most dangerous job. So all these people, literally everyone in the boat has a story of someone who's died on Lake Galilee in the storm. So so the storm's no joke to them. You know, it's not just waves lapping up against the water and they're like, I don't swim. This is actual terror of an actual storm that threatens to kill them. A natural terror in their lives. But I think the second terror adds to that and is equal to that, and that is the terror of a superstition that they carry with them. And you hear this when they see Jesus, and what do they say? It's a ghost! Now, now you might think, probably you like me have probably passed over that as kind of funny. But interestingly, if you read about the superstitions around the Lake of Galilee, they thought that the Lake of Galilee, people at the time thought the Lake of Galilee, which we now know is about 140 feet deep, in its deepest spot, they thought it was an unfathomable distance. They thought that at the bottom of the Lake of Galilee, there was a portal to the underworld. And that if you sunk in the Lake of Galilee, you would get grabbed and brought into the underworld. So when they saw Jesus, I'm not, this is true. When they saw Jesus, they thought something has escaped from the underworld. Not only do we have a storm to deal with, we have a supernatural being to deal with. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. Now, it's interesting how this plays in our lives also. When we are in our boat, we're comfortable, we're safe, and all of a sudden, a natural terror often is accompanied by beliefs we don't even know we have or don't even know how deeply they're ingrained in us. And they start rising to the surface, and that place of safety that we're holding onto is just rocking. We don't know what to do. And that is exactly where they're at. Literally, the underworld is coming to get them. What do you do when you think you're alone? Because at that moment, each of them, though they're in the boat together, are alone facing their greatest fear. And into that fear, the voice of Jesus speaks. Take courage. This is how the NIV translates it. Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. I think the the way that should be translated is take courage don't be afraid because I am that is that is literally if you were to read how the Greek reads right there don't be afraid because I am and if if you're familiar with the story of the Old Testament the way God describes himself the people of Israel will know that he can rescue them from from Egypt he, he simply uses the name I am that I am 
I, how do you trust that I can save you from slavery, save you from your greatest fears? Because I am the, the one that was, the one that is, the one that is to come. And that's what Jesus speaks to them in their little boat, in their terror of the storm. Don't be courageous. Don't be afraid because I am. Now, I love that he says first take courage because courage is what? It is the ability to do something that frightens you. That is simply what courage is. Take courage. I'm going to call you to do something that's going to terrify you. And that is to not be afraid. (laughs) And to trust me, to see me, and to look at me instead of the sword. Face your fears, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. That is what he's saying here. Take courage. Don't be afraid because of who I am. And that is what Jesus says to you when you feel alone. I don't know what news you've had. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't. God does. I don't know what's going on in your life. But Jesus does, and he says, take courage because of who I am, not because of who you are and what is happening. What he's inviting them to, and this is the third movement of the story, is he's inviting them to a faith place. They've come from a familiar place to a fearful place to a place of faith where he has invited them to trust who he is. Faith begins when we get a glimpse of Jesus, when we hear his voice again, and it could be in the midst of what we're going through, we simply hear the words of Jesus, maybe that we've heard from childhood or somewhere else someone's spoken to us, and we hear them in the midst of the storm, and we get the chance to respond, and the normal response, going back to the story, would be what? If they saw, if we saw Jesus, we were on a boat, we saw Jesus, what would the normal response be? Get in the boat! Right? You'd be like, come on! Like, we're going to throw you the rope. But that's not what Peter says. Isn't that really interesting? <laughs> Peter wants to take courage. This is, this is faithful Peter, right? And 11 of them choose to stay in the boat. 11 of them probably are saying, get in the boat. Get in the boat. They're probably chanting, get in the You know, they're just like trying to coax him on. And, and what, what does Peter say? This is amazing. He doesn't say the normal thing. He says, Lord, if it's you, if you, it is the I am, tell me to come to you on the water. Peter chose, chooses to follow Jesus into this Safe place. See, saying get in the boat is saying what? I think it's saying join me in my fear. And I think we oftentimes do that to Jesus. Jesus is literally calling, hey, don't be afraid. And we say, Jesus, I would feel safe if you joined me in my boat. If you join me in my fear, I need you to come here when Jesus' voice is beckoning us to him. And Peter does something quite impressive, and that is he does respond by faith. While eleven choose not to, Peter does and, and does something that honestly I probably wouldn't do. Call me to yourself. And the amazing thing is it works. Jesus says, Come, and Peter steps out of the boat with little faith, we learn. Little faith, which means probably that he doesn't really appreciate who the I am is yet, he just understands that it's probably on the ghost level. 
Right? That's kind of where their belief is at, right? They're, They're kind of living in the supernatural, natural, and he gets invited out. And Jesus at this time is someone who is walking on water, and Peter wants a part of that, gets out of the boat, and starts walking on water. That is fabulous. That is incredible. While 11, now note this, 11 disciples are still in the boat. And Peter is like, okay, you know, and I just imagine walking, walk yourself through this. And he, he steps out and 11 of the disciples are what John Ortberg in his book, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat, calls their boat potatoes. Now, um, it's a really funny image, right? But you, know, you think of a couch potatoes image, just get up with these boat potatoes who are just like, just take, they're just, the boat, is the boat safe? No, the boat isn't safe in the storm. But they're boat potatoes. They're like, this is what? This is familiar. Even though it's not safe, even though this boat could capsize, I could get killed, I am holding on to this place that is not safe. That is where I am. And, and Peter, though, is called by Jesus. He doesn't want to miss out. He takes courage, and he, he begins walking on water. My question for you here is, what would you call out to Jesus? What are you calling out to Jesus? In your place, in your place where maybe right now you feel alone, are you saying, get in the boat? Or are you saying, call me to yourself? Now, when we say, call me to yourself, the storm's still going. Jesus is in our vision. We say, call me to yourself, and that is exactly, Jesus is in Peter's vision, and he wants all of Jesus. He wants to be with Jesus. He wants to be where he's at. And so he gets out of the boat. The fourth movement in the story, though, is a greater fear. Now, his little faith is not as much faith as he thinks. Right? He gets out of the boat, and he's like 11 are behind him, and he starts going for it. And yet a greater fear grabs a hold of him when he lets go of the boat and he gets into the place where the storm hasn't stopped. It's still going on around him and now he's away from the place of comfort and Jesus is still in front of him and he's caught in between. And what happens is a greater fear. He starts sinking. Now, I think in most of our storylines, we want the movement out of the boat to seal the deal, right? Jesus, we've stepped into this place of faith. Now you're just going to sweep us up in your arms or we're going to dance off in the waves. And everyone's going to be like, well, look at them. You know, we're like dancing in the waves and the rest of the disciples are like, man, I wish I was dancing in the waves with them. But that's not what happens, right? In our minds, we're like, we step out of the boat, we're like, I am so courageous. (laughs) Right? Man, we're good. We're good. And all of a sudden, because we're building ourselves up, man, I'm doing this really well. Whew. Jesus and me, 11 back there, Jesus and me. And all of a sudden, we are terrified because we take one look away from Jesus. And we look back to the boat. We look back to the place of comfort. We look around, and the storm is still raging. And we start sinking. And a greater fear than the one that was in the boat, because in the boat we could grab a hold of something. But here, because we've stepped out of the boat, we don't have those things to grab anymore. And Peter, who has believed Jesus is everything to him, discovers that Jesus isn't everything to him. 
right? There's still places in his heart that are so captivated by fear that even though he's taken that first step, he falls victim to a greater fear. But he cries out to Jesus, and this is the beautiful thing. The fifth movement is this, a deeper fellowship, because he has taken a step of faith. And Jesus isn't going to let him drown. Jesus is there. And there's three parts of this deeper fellowship that are beautiful. The first is the rescue, where Peter says, Lord, save me. And Jesus, it, the, the visual we get here, listen, it says, 30, but when he saw them, when he was afraid and began to sing and cry out, Lord, save me. And 31 says, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. Where was Jesus? Right there. Immediately, Jesus was there. The vision we get of Peter when he's afraid is he probably felt like the boat was a half mile behind him and Jesus was a half mile in front of him and he was just there. He was, what do you do when you believe you are alone? Cry out, <laughs> Lord, save me. And Jesus grabs him, lifts him up, immediately reaches out his hand, catches him. And the second movement, this is he rebukes him. Oh, you of little faith. And it's a gentle rebuke. I don't think Jesus is like, no. I mean, Jesus has invited him out there, but his rebuke is there. You have little faith. Why did you doubt me? He's, he's even in that moment, in that moment of waves, teaching him. You know, Jesus is such an amazing teacher. And I, I, as a parent, right, you're constantly learning this. How do I use my words? How do, when do I you know, discipline with a firm word? When do I discipline with a soft word? And, and it's beautiful to watch Jesus because Peter at this point of terror, Jesus steps into that and does say, why did you doubt me? Now, Peter, most of us would feel like, well, rightly so. It's a crazy storm. But Jesus was like, just why didn't you keep your eyes fixed on me? And then the beautiful movement Next in this deeper fellowship is, and it's a visual we get here. In 32, it says, they climb into the boat. They climb back into the boat together. And I would see that as restoration. You've got this, this uh, rescue, Lord, save me, this rebuke. Why did you doubt? And this restoration. Now we're just going to get back into the boat. You know, we're, 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 te- we're on the same team. I'm with you. I'm with you. What follows that greater fear and the deeper fellowship is a greater faith. Which is when Peter, it's, well it says they, so probably all of them, even though Peter's only had the amazing experience of walking on water for a moment. They say together, truly you are the son of God. Now the content of their faith prior to this, it was very interesting, the content of their faith prior to this sounded like this. It's a ghost! Right? Their, their faith of what could happen, their belief of what was possible in the world, the storm, the supernatural, all this was so convoluted. By the, and so I think Peter's faith early on was, was probably mixed with a lot of superstition. But what you see this greater faith following it is, as Jesus has declared, don't be afraid because I am, their response is understanding him and confessing him as the I am. Truly you are the son of God. Truly you are the one that rules the waves. Truly you are God. This is the first time this declaration is really made. And the next time we feel, this sticks, because the next time, Jake's going to preach on this next week, 
The next real story where they're together and Peter is speaking in Matthew 16, Jesus says what? He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says very confidently, you are Messiah, the son of the living God. So this greater faith that has come from a greater fear sticks with Peter. And that's the beautiful thing because in the movement of Peter's life, as, <laughs> as flawed as he is, he is growing in faith. Because next time it's not like, well, you're kind of the mix between a ghost and a unicorn. No, no, like the next time we see, it really is. It's, Jesus is being glorified in Peter's sight. And it's this movement towards when Acts 2 comes and we see the, one of the greatest sermons of all time and Peter declares who Jesus is and 3,000 people come to faith. The seeds of that are here in a little step out of a boat where he was comfortable where he had to sink, and, get, and Jesus grabbed him up. You're not alone. Immediately I'm with you. Guys, we've inherited so many in beliefs, unintentional beliefs, impulsive beliefs, and, and it is when we step out, right? When we stop being couch potatoes or, or boat potatoes and take that step, and all of a sudden we see Jesus being glorified in our eyes as the one who sees us and the one who saves us the one who in his mercy rebukes us and leads us to deeper fellowship what do you think you are going through alone and what does it mean for you to hear Jesus's words don't be afraid because I am I'm the one that rescued Israel from Egypt I'm the one who in the person of Jesus rescues people from sin I am. What does this look like in our lives? Now, there's a couple of super practical examples I can think of. And the one, one uh, I get to experience uh, quite a bit, and I, I saw this last week. So um, the work we get to do at the Coffee Oasis, you know, we're 25 years in now. And um, we have... And this is accurate, I'll just say last year. I don't know what the numbers are this year, but last year, I think we had about 150, 160 people go through our volunteer training. And, and we only have about 11 to 12 people volunteer. Um, we have a lot go through, not a lot volunteer. And then when people do come into the drop-in centers, um, they don't oftentimes stay. And... Uh, I saw a kind of expression of this recently where I had talked to somebody at an event and they were very passionate. They love the work we do. They've seen the videos. They read the stories and all that. And, and they're like, man, I, I, I love the legacy of the Coffee Oasis. I've heard the, the, the lives that are changed. I want to be a part of that. And they walk into one of our drop-in centers and are, are then not just face-to-face, but shoulder-to-shoulder, conversation-to-conversation with kids and, and it is not what they imagined it would be, right? You, you get in there, and, and in your mind, you are like, I am acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with, right into the drop-in center, and then you walk in there, and, and this is what I saw recently. <clears throat> the person came in to the drop-in center, and they, they said, oh, I, I've been coming four, this is a conversation I had, I've been coming four times and I just don't know if it's for me, I don't know if I'm a great fit, and I said, man, it's, I'm so glad you're here, I just encourage you to stick with it. Now, uh, I got in another conversation as I was leaving, 
I saw this person just on a couch, not talking to the kids. Now, I appreciate that fear, and it is what we see here, I think, in, in the story with the 11 that stay in the boat. They didn't feel like they were being effective, but they were so scared they weren't talking to the kids that were in the drop-in center. And in their mind, there was this whole narrative, and it was a fear narrative. Oh, they really don't want me here. I don't relate with them. If I talk with them, they're going to think I'm weird or I'm, I'm old and they're young. Right? All this narrative going on. And, and I promise you, all they needed to do really was continue pressing in. Literally walking awkwardly among, and I do this too, walking awkwardly by kids when they're talking and being like, hey, what are you guys talking about? You know, and, and I just that, because it, it, is the, it is the boat potato. It is the couch. It's, it's us who go and we're like, that's not me. But what does it look like to, when Jesus beckons us, calls us, he does call us into this world to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. And, and, but oftentimes in our life, we don't talk to our coworkers. We don't talk to other people about Jesus. We don't live our faith. Why? Well, oh, it's just not me. Now, maybe you're just staying in the boat. You know, maybe, and, and maybe you need to get up and just take that step and be like, rescue me, you know, because you just feel like you're plummeting into this place. And let God lead you from a greater fear than into a greater faith in that movement. Now, the promising thing is this. The 11 in the boat are still disciples. Okay, the 11, listen to me, 11 in the boat. I'm not saying they're not they don't love Jesus. I'm not saying anything like that. They, they are still disciples, but they are missing out. They're missing out on walking on water. That's profound. I think a lot of us in our lives see other people who are taking steps of faith and we go, they are heroes. <laughs> they are different. It's not true. They've just stepped out of the boat. I promise you. And that, that invitation is for you. If you say, Jesus, call me to come, I want to be courageous. And he will say to you, come. Now, um, the other story I have is that of my, my mom and dad starting the Coffee Oasis. And it's a story that I got to be a part of as a kid, but also got to watch. And, and now being a husband and a father, I have to make my own decisions on, on how I follow Jesus, Right? I mean, I see how they went to the Philippines and then how they started, and how our home was full of people right, getting invited in. And, and I, I'm getting to write the story of the Daniel and Hannah Frederick family. Right? That's what we get to do now. And what sacrifices will we make when we're afraid? We have, to, I have two little ones. Man, it's scary to think about living courageously. But what will that look like for us? Because what it looked like for my mom and dad and what we, a lot of us get to enjoy and see is we literally get to see them stepping out of the boat. And we admire that. Do we stay in the boat? Or, or what does it look like for us then to step out of the boat? And I know you guys in the Navy back there are like, man, that's a, that's a long fall. <laughs> right? but, <laughs> there's like there's some nets first. Um, but you know, what does it look like for us to, to step out and, and to sink to cry out and for Jesus to come save us and for our faith to grow. Guys, the, the scary thing is your fear will be confronted by greater fear. It will. And it's going to be stripping away your superstitions, 
It's going to be stripping away your inner dialogue that is telling you you can't. It's going to be doing all those things. You'll be learning to walk with Jesus on water. So what do you do when you believe you're going through something alone? When you believe you can't go through it by yourself? I just invite you to believe that God is never. You've come to him by faith. God has never and will never take his eyes off you. God is immediately there to hold out his hand to you. What is your boat? The thing you're holding on to, maybe even in the storm, even though it will capsize and won't hold you. What will you call out to Jesus? Will you call him into your fear or will you say, call me to yourself? Are you living a life of little faith? And are you ready to graduate to a greater faith? Pray with me. Father, thank you for the honesty of your word that you don't show us something that cannot be done. You show us something that is calling us deeper into faith. I pray that we will take courage and let the words of this story, the story of Peter, confront us and our little faith I pray that make it vivid this week what you're calling us to. The water we're meant to walk on as we respond to your call. God, show us and give us the courage to trust you as the I am. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.